0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 184. In this week's show, I'm doing a solo cast where I'm taking a really deep dive at how sometimes it is so hard to feel joyful in today's world. I'm also looking at how joy is one of, if not the most vulnerable emotion that humans can experience, and how the conditioning of growing up in today's society can often leave us feeling like we are either too much or not enough, and that impacts our ability to feel joy. Before we get to the main part of the show, first, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you are here and thank you so much for tuning in this week and always. A little bit of housekeeping before we get into the meat of things. The show, of course, is Jumpstart Your Joy and it has been around since 2015. I am Paula. I am a hybrid and a mix of a project manager in digital marketing for 20 years. I then went on to get my life coaching certification and I started a podcast back then when I got certified and it has morphed into an amazing thing that has taken on a life of its own and actually became the business (laughs) itself. So I now produce and manage podcasts for people, and it is a total treat to get to do this and see so many amazing women who are healers and coaches in a service-based business, how they get to bring their message and their vision to the world through podcasting. If you want to learn more about the show or about me or how we could work together, you can find all of that at the website, which is jumpstartyourjoy.com. And, of course, we all do show notes, so mine for the show are at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash vulnerable. You can find a couple of the links there that I'll be talking about. You can also get those same show notes and the links right in your phone if you are a subscriber. So that's a good reason to subscribe. It means all that info just gets dumped into your app while you're listening and there's nothing to bookmark or go back to. So subscribe if you haven't. It is a, it's a great way to get the show automatically downloaded to your device each Tuesday morning when it comes out. This week's episode is brought to you by <laughs> my very own Jumpstart Your Podcast Bootcamp, which is going to run starting in May. And it is an eight-week class where we go from your idea to launching your podcast. And it's an exciting and fun way for you to get to interact with other up-and-coming podcasters. I teach it live, which is one of my favorite things to do. And so, if you would like to join me, you can sign up for the Start a Podcast list, which is on my website. And from there, you'll be notified when registration is open. So I hope to see you there. So let's get on to the show. I can't wait to share this one with you guys because it feels like it has been brewing around in my head for an entire week at least and really came up because of the things that I experienced while I was on spring break with my son which was just last week. We got to spend a ton of time together, which was really special because he's eight and uh, I call him Zoom on the show. That is not his given name. But Zoom and I got to go on a road trip. We spent a couple nights in an Airstream camper in Santa Rosa, California. And you can see pictures of it on Instagram. Jumpstart your joy is my name there. It was a really special trip. And we got to go to the Charles Schultz Museum and Mrs. Grossman stickers. If if you're about my age, you'll remember those amazing stickers, the big heart or the big bear that were from the 80s. And we got to go to the sticker factory, which is in Petaluma. We also went just this last weekend to Kenilin Camp for an alumni reunion. And this is a camp that has been in business for 74 years. It really is the quintessential kids' summer camp. It was started by a husband and wife team who were then later called Uncle Max and Aunt Marion by all the campers because the first set of campers had literally been their nieces and nephews. I started going there when I was 12 and... And would spend a couple weeks each summer at this great sleepaway camp, and later worked my way up through their counselor and training program to become a director. My last summer there, and it was really cool to see a bunch of the people that had been on what they call the town council, which is kind of the leadership team, all came back this last weekend. My sister and her family included, along with my husband and and you know, our son. And it was just a really special time to be able to revisit some lovely memories and some really formative memories. And, you know, so I'll set the scene for you guys a little bit. It's, it's a camp that's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So it's surrounded by redwood trees. It's 300 acres. And, you know, there's little cabins for each group uh, of 8 to 10 kids that have a counselor or two in their cabin. Every night there's a campfire that used to be led by Uncle Max himself. And there were skits and always a 4th of July picnic and times in the pool and morning walks that were just filled with misty air. And it just really was and still is a very magical place. And as we were sitting around the campfire this last Saturday... And, you know, and some of these songs that we used to sing together talked about joy. And you know, one of them, the refrain is, "I've got peace like a river, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got love like an ocean in my soul." And another one is the song "Today," which is really kind of like thinking about all of the beautiful things that are happening in your day. And then it ends with "Air, I forget all the joys that are mine today." And what I re- what really sunk in as we were singing these amazing songs together was. There is so much of the day-to-day, I mean, sure, at a magical children's summer camp that is easy for kids to feel joyful about, but even when they're not at camp and seeing the joy with which my, my own son had been experiencing the entire week. Like it is so easy as children just to sink into the joy. And I just found myself in awe of watching how he can turn anything into a game, right? Like, you know, he'll pick up a stick and like (laughs) that turns into a game. He'll pick up rocks and we can make a game out of that. Like everything is still possible when you're a child as children joy is easy it just comes naturally i remember that as being a counselor and maybe that's part of why i loved it so much was you really just get to sink into the wonder and amazement that children meet the world with every day and you know i had the really rare opportunity to get to see this firsthand with my son this past week as well i mean yes kind of like camp we had a lot of structured and planned things that are meant to invoke joy i mean obviously visiting a sticker factory and Seeing where seeing drawings of Snoopy and and Woodstock the bird were very uh, delightful, but I also saw in the quiet moments how my son can make a game out of just about anything at any time, and how he sometimes will still just belly laugh in the car for what seems to be no reason. Like he'll just crack himself up, and it was a delight getting to see how he'll befriend any animal or any other human or just talk to them simply and and it's because for him the world is so is still so full of possibility he hasn't built up a sludge of stories like the rest of us that adults carry around with them those are the ones that tell us like to be careful or that we need to act a certain way or that we shouldn't trust people or that we should be worried about things happening and so the other really interesting bookend to this week was, of course, Brene Brown has recently released an amazing special on Netflix called The Call to Courage. And if you haven't watched it, the link is in the show notes. It's amazing, and I highly recommend it. I was getting texts from friends and family this past week saying, oh my gosh, have you seen this special? Because Brene Brown is talking about how joy is the most vulnerable emotion that humans can experience. And so when you put... This inherent joy that I am seeing and have experienced with children, it's natural, it's easy, it's simple. It just happens. To this messaging that I also know to be true, and this this piece that Brene Brown is unpacking about how joy is actually vulnerable, I found myself up against this question of when did being joyful get to be hard? When did that happen? Because clearly we all started out in this way that it was so simple and easy and fun, and we didn't think about having to tune into joy. It just happened. So when did it become vulnerable to be joyful and experience joy? So let's dig into that a little bit. If you've watched the Brene special on Netflix, You'll know that she's sharing that in her studies of shame and vulnerability, and she is a researcher. So this is hard and fast data. She does lots of interviews. She interviews people. She gets their take on what's going on around both shame and vulnerability. And what she's discovered is that people, when she has these interviews, are stating that joy is the most vulnerable of all emotions. And here's a quote. You can't have joy without allowing yourself to be seen. Joy is the most vulnerable and terrifying of all human emotions. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. True belonging requires you to be who you are. And this just struck me so solidly that as children, joy is easy. It comes naturally. And I saw it all week and I know it to be true. And kind of the aha moment for myself, if I put these two things together, the ease with which children experience joy and then the hardness with which adults experience joy is that I've got to believe that somewhere along the way, that it was in growing up and being conditioned for this world through school and through other experiences, through playing softball in my case, through even possibly going to camp, that there were rules about how to be, that this growing up and this conditioning in our world is what taught each of us that joy is vulnerable and hard. And I want to be clear here that it's not so much that an adult came forward and told us, be worried about joy or joy is dangerous or anything of that nature. I think it's quite the contrary of that. That well-meaning adults who want to keep us safe and who want to teach us how to be the best version of ourselves oftentimes teach us rules that then don't necessarily directly match up with who we are as people at our authentic core, who we are at the center, or the rules don't quite match up with the way that we experience joy. I think there's also other people through their own fear and their own misunderstanding and their own mistrust of the world that Already have pre built in stories, capital S stories, which means they believe something so strongly be, to be true that they act as if it is, even if it isn't. And those would be things along the lines of it's important to get good grades in school because then you'll go on to be a doctor or lawyer, and that will mean that you will be happy in this life. Someone that maybe told you that had the best of intentions for you, they wanted you to be happy, but the way in which they presented it was not necessarily a capital T, truth, about what it means to be happy in this world. I had a ton of examples of these things while I was growing up, and maybe you can relate to some of these because these are all just mine. I had a, you know, maybe there was a teacher that told you your handwriting was too messy and you'd need to carry a typewriter to college. Maybe you ran into some mean girls in high school that, that told you you didn't dress or talk the right way. Maybe you had a friend that told you that the dress you just bought and that you totally loved was ugly and too short. Maybe you had a teacher that shamed you for not understanding math in front of the entire class and put you in a cubicle to do your math with a kitchen timer. Maybe there was a choir leader that gave you the backhanded compliment of that your singing was nice and loud instead of complimenting you on the fact that maybe it was good. (laughs) Maybe you had a step-grandmother who told you that you ate too much and that you were going to become fat. It's those messages again and again that have slowly conditioned you, or in in this case, me, that when you do those things that bring you joy, when you write like you write, when you wear the clothes that make you you, when you don't understand math, and maybe you just need someone to find a different way of explaining it, when you sing loud, (laughs) when you do those things that bring you joy, that somehow you are too much too loud, too messy, or you're not enough. You didn't buy the right thing. You don't talk the right way. And those messages hurt. And basically those messages, each and every tiny little one, they tell you you don't fit in, you won't fit in, or you should let go of feeling joy in the ways that are most joyful to you. And this strikes us right at our core. This is that space. You go from being the kid who had all sorts of joy to this person Who's now questioning, can I let myself experience joy in the way that is most natural to me? It's a slow buildup of self-doubt, of mistrust, and of hearing that there is a right way and a wrong way to do things that makes it intensely, and I mean intensely vulnerable to do things your own way, or to express yourself in a way that feels most authentic to you, or to celebrate things in the way that you like to celebrate them. So instead of you leaning into what you know authentically brings you joy and feels joyful, you start to question every single one of them. You start to try and fit in to the way that other people are telling you is right and wrong. And you start to deny the piece of you and the parts of you that truly are joyful and feel joyful. So the next thing that I found myself really spending time reflecting on is how does this kind of conditioning then show up in our adult lives? I know we've, I've listed some of the things that I experienced as a child or a younger person, but now how do some of those things show up for me now that I'm an adult? Or maybe how would they show up in your life if you've experienced something similar to it? If you do watch the Brene Brown Netflix special, you'll hear her talk a little bit about how you can feel like you are either too much or not enough, and how that has a play in vulnerability. In addition to those thoughts by her, I also reflected on many things that I can see coming out of the messaging and the conditioning that we are met with as young people, and how they play into some of our fears and doubts and mistrust currently as adults. What you see is that when you start to believe the messages and the conditioning and the right and wrong, and you're supposed to be this way, all that conditioning that we hit as we're growing up is that you end up feeling in your adult life like you're too much or you're not enough, like we just talked about. You can see the impact of mean girls on your life. Sometimes people develop an imposter syndrome. There's an entire episode about it, but feeling like you're a fraud or that people are about to find out that you don't know what you're doing, (laughs) which comes up so often when people start a podcast is that they feel like, well, who am I to? Which is actually the next thing that I listed is that underwriting inner critic voice that starts to question everything that you do. And oftentimes when you get into this in life coaching, You understand that the inner critic is just those messages that you learned along the way somewhere that you now are listening to and you're letting them inform your reality. You also see that when you start to believe or you've already started to believe all this messaging and these, frankly, these lies of there's only one way to experience life and to be joyful is that resistance comes up, right? And if you read the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, you can learn all about resistance. I'll also link up to that one. It's one of my favorites, but the resistance comes in when you're getting closer to the thing that you love to do because you're listening to all that old messaging. Sometimes you might feel like you're out of control. There's another thing. You won't trust yourself to make your own decisions. Your confidence may plummet if you start to listen to all that messaging that is not internal to who you are, but is external and coming from other places, but isn't authentically you. And self-image wise, if you want to listen to the interview with Stacia Savasic, You'll learn more about how to dress in a way that feels right for you. And all these things start to swirl around. You start to develop these stories, a capital S story, which is something that you've learned to accept as the truth, but really isn't true. You're just going around believing that I need to dress this way to be accepted or I need to talk this way to be taken seriously or I need to write neatly to be be taken as someone who is smart. Like All of that just piles on deeper and deeper until you've got this different sense of who you are and what it means to feel joy than you did when you were a kid. Now, I know this all sounds really heavy. And so the great news, the good news about all of it and so once you've recognized this, and once you recognize that you're missing joy, which I'm assuming you did and you are since you're here, <laughs> is that you can find your way back to joy. And there's lots of ideas. I mean, this whole podcast is about that moment of when you realize that something is hard and something is awful, and that you are no longer trusting yourself. And how do you find your way back to joy? And so I've got a bunch of ideas, of course, in how to do this. But I think it's that space of realizing that feeling what I want to feel seems extremely vulnerable. And that even though I know it is vulnerable, and this this is the exciting thing, is that I'm going to dive in and I'm going to try and find my way back to feeling joyful anyway. Even though there's all those stories out there that say, that I'm either not enough or I'm too much or that are rocking my confidence or that make me feel like an imposter. I'm going to say, you know what, I see you out there and I'm going to choose something different for this part of my life. So let's dive into some of the ideas of how you can get back in touch with that joy. The first one is to choose joy daily. Once you know that you want more joy in your life, you can own it and you can aim for it. I often call joy one of the wayfaring emotions, which means it stands out there as a direction that you want to head. You may not always hit joy because it's one of those... It's an emotion that you can't hold constantly anyway. You know, it, you'll be there sometimes and then you'll fall into being content or happy or that end of the spectrum. But when you put your sights on joy, you're more likely to hit it because that's what you're, you know, that's where you're navigating towards. Another interesting one is that when you feel yourself in the space of being excited and terrified about trying out something new, lean into it instead of maybe letting the running monologue that you have in your head that reflects all the messaging about how this thing might be too much or it might show that you're not enough by doing it. So maybe a great example even comes from camp. This weekend we went up on I believe that they call it their monkey course, but it has a bridge that's up in the air and some netting that you can play in and it's a lot of fun and All the kids, when we went down there, just ran up the ramp. They started playing on the bridge. They jumped into the net. I mean, they had so much fun. But if those same kids had allowed some of the conditioning that might be present in an adult life to run the show, it could have been, oh, you'll get hurt. You need to be careful. You'll look foolish. Somebody will see your butt from below. You know, you're not wearing the right shorts. You... You know, what happens if your hair gets messy? I mean, there's a million messages that anyone could have let them stop themselves dead in their tracks before going and having this fun. Instead, if you just lean into excitement and terrified when you feel it and go for it, think of all the fun and the joy that is on the other side of not worrying about any of those things and not giving them any stock because frankly, most of them are not even true. And a great inspiration for this one was the 75-year-old alumni that was with us last weekend. Her name was Mary. She's like, I'm going up there. I'm experiencing this thing. And then she asked, how do I celebrate that I just did this? And I said, well, we could take a picture. And so she took a picture with her thumbs up and she's so proud and so excited that she tried something that maybe was a little bit frightening and a lot exciting. You could see the joy bubbling off of her because I think our our conditioning through school or our conditioning through life will often be that we should we should turn away from that thing because it's, it feels scary or we don't know what the outcome will be. But instead, if you're going towards joy and you're choosing joy, I would recommend that instead of shying away from a thing that looks like it might be a lot of fun or exciting or terrifying to go towards it and give it a try and take the baby step. Another one that's come up really big on this show time and time again, and it actually came from an interesting conversation with Julia Samuel, who works with grief, is schedule time in your day, in your life, in your week for joy. And she said this and and when she was on, she said this in the context of people who are grieving need to schedule joy into their lives, just so that they have that bookend and that cornerstone that they can, they can feel something besides the grief. But I think it's important, whether or not you're grieving, to schedule joy into your life. So that means looking for places maybe that you've always wanted to visit. An example for me in this past week was I had always wanted to go see the Charles Schultz Museum. I loved Snoopy growing up. I wanted to go see more about it. And so we got to. Another one was Mrs. Grossman's stickers. I loved those stickers so much as a kid. And so it was really joyful to be in the space where they were being made. And to know that that mission has continued. You could also make a decision to return to places that have brought you joy in the past. There might be a place that kind of feels like your heart's second home. I have one. It's San Damiano Retreat out in Danville. It's amazing if you're local. You should visit it. Or going to a labyrinth feels like it's especially joyful to me. But the thing here is that you have to make space in your calendar. You could know that each of those things seems joyful to you. But until you, you know, schedule it in and put it on your calendar, it's going to be really hard to get to go do it. I make a joke of my own family is if it's not on the calendar, it's not happening. (laughs) And so I would recommend scheduling time into your day or your life for joy. If you've listened to this show for a while, you know that the first question whenever I have a guest on is, what brought you joy as a child? What were your earliest sparks of joy? And looking back, even at kind of the progression of this episode, we know that joy was easier or easier as a child for almost everyone. I have had a couple of guests that didn't have a particularly good childhood and they admit it and they often will bring up how their life was really hard. And so I think, You may still be able to tap into that if you didn't have a joyful childhood. You may be able to still ask yourself, well, what did I like to do if joy feels like too much of a stretch? And that's usually how I rephrase that question if somebody tells me that. But I think thinking back to the things that you love, thinking back to the things that seemed easy as a kid, one of mine would have very definitely been drama and dramatic arts. And when I realized that like 10 years ago, then I went and found the ACT, which is in San Francisco, and started taking acting classes. And that was so much fun. And it brought me back into that space that felt particularly joyful as a child. You probably have something similar to that, and you can bring that into your present life. If you're really struggling around that, some things that past guests have brought up as very joyful for them as children, three of the big ones were hang out with animals. I think spending time with an animal or going to a petting zoo or being able to interact with animals is is almost always joyful. You can try something creative, so drawing or singing or doing a podcast or acting. That usually will kind of get joy bubbling up for people. Another one is getting in touch with nature, either by walking or observing or going to the beach. Kind of the themes of nature almost always come up in when I asked the last question or what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, and other people's lives. And obviously, there's a ton of great ideas if you go back to listen to past episodes. One of the things that Brene Brown mentioned in her talk on Netflix was she found that people who have a gratitude practice and who believe in a higher power in the universe, you know, whether that be a divinity or God or whatever you want to call that force, People that have gratitude and believe in a higher power are those who tend to be more joyful. So you could take up a practice of a gratitude journal, which also comes up from many guests Start to notice the things that you are grateful for in your day-to-day life. It's very hard to hold space in your heart for gratitude and another negative emotion. So if you're thinking about, I'm super grateful for the roses that are growing outside in my front yard. It's very hard to also have the negative thoughts of And I really hate X, Y, Z, right? Like when your heart is full of gratitude, that's the thing that you're focusing on. And so it's making space for more joyfulness. I think you could also, if you're having a hard time trying to figure out what brings you joy is do a joy list. You know, list out 10 things that you know have brought you joy and try and tap into one of those in a given day. Another way that I think each of us could start to undo some of that conditioning that we have all been a part of and um, that has made joy feel vulnerable for each of us is to do a mindful practice, an intentional practice, kind of to, to fall into the inspiration, intention, and action pieces that I'd like to talk about on this show, especially in season four, is if you can catch yourself Day-to-day, when you hear yourself spreading shoulds, when you're trying to give advice or suggestions to people, or maybe when you're working with a child, where are you bringing up shoulds that are not necessarily helpful? Where are you layering in the conditioning and perpetuating conditioning that is just causing other people to create their own stories that is keeping them from their joy? Another way of looking at this one is How can you really embody and try and practice the famous doctor's code of do no harm in your day to day life? And this might mean refraining from giving unsolicited negative feedback to someone about their, their dream or their aspirations. It may mean holding back on suggestions or opinions that don't uplift others. It really is living the ideal of if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. We all have the choice each day to uplift and encourage each other. And when we choose to do the other thing, then we are just stacking the deck for each other on negative stories and negative opinions that really don't help out anyone, even when they are sometimes said with the the air quotes of best of intentions. So just kind of check yourself when you find yourself giving these opinions that are unsolicited and not positive. And this includes the feedback that you give yourself internally. So if you find yourself judging yourself and saying unhelpful and negative things about the things that you want to do or the things that bring you joy, kind of check yourself on that. Or if you find yourself sharing that kind of feedback with somebody else, it's also an invitation to check yourself and see where that voice is coming from, from inside of you. Or... Find some way to highlight the positive for someone else so that you're continuing the joyful message and you're limiting the amount of time that you spend with an unpositive message. Another item that you could try if you're feeling really stuck and you want to find joy is do something that surprises or delights you or someone else. This, for some reason, brings to mind back when Amazon first started doing the, their gift wrap, uh, it was free. <laughs> And I remember that my friend Ron, he would oftentimes select to have his items gift wrapped, even though he was sending them to himself, because he thought that would be especially joyful. (laughs) So I think we can each look for funny little things like that, that maybe seem excessive or unnecessary, but they bring joy to your day because then you get a present and you get to unwrap it. And I love that, you know, a grown adult was (laughs) was making that selection for himself. I think other things, you know, my sister and her family often will get a cake and have it written on the top. We, we talked about this this weekend of you swam your first lap in a, in a big pool. And so there's a cake for that. And the, the family eats cake and celebrates this this milestone that might feel a little bit silly on uh, some regards, but it's big. It's big for a kid. So maybe you could do that in your own adult life where you, I did the hard thing, whatever that hard thing is. Get that on a cake. Have a cake. <laughs> Enjoy yourself, because I think there's lots of ways to celebrate or delight yourself on a day-to-day basis. And the last one that I go back to is let joy be important to you. If you're listening and and you are a listener, I have a feeling that joy is important to you and, and that you make room for it. And this very much leans into that intention piece. If your intention is to be joyful, you're going to find ways to do it. A story that comes to mind for me here is I know recently, and it may have been because I had left my nine-to-five job, and now I'm on my own, and things are good, and I get to spend more time with my kid, and I get to have more of a flexible schedule. I get to do podcasting. I get to talk about things that really matter to me. And frankly, I've ditched a lot of the drama that was coming along with having a nine-to-five job. And I've felt recently like at the same time, I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so I said the other day to my husband, I'm like, look, I don't know what's going on here, but I feel like we've got a story that we're telling ourselves that isn't necessarily true, but that the other shoe is about to drop. Brene Brown talks about this as well in her book, Daring Greatly, but it's called Foreboding Joy. It's when we know that joy is great and we feel like at the same time, we can't fully experience the joy of it. What I said to my husband was, I'm done with this feeling of like the other shoe's going to drop, like something bad's just around the corner. And of course, when you say those things, then the resistance often shows up in an uncanny way. And um, (laughs) we can talk about that another time. But I just felt like I was super ready to let go of this thing where... I was letting the feeling of something bad's about to happen be the thing that was lingering over my shoulder a lot of the time. And so I'm I'm really happy to say that I have in many ways let that go. And I'm sinking into how joyful this existence and this experience can be when it is that I'm just allowing joy to be important to me. It's important. That's it's the thing that I love. It's, the, it's my muse. It's the thing that I want to go after. And I want to experience it with my child and my family in a bigger way. And it's really exciting to be able to make the room for it. And so maybe that's also another little nod of what might happen when you start to say, no, I'm making joy important, is then you start to see resistance in new ways come up that kind of challenges you on it. <laughs> so it's, it's always a dance, right? It's You never get to the plateau where it just levels out and you can be joyful, content, and happy. It's going to be that it is always a dance of joy and hard and happiness and grief. But when you make joy important to you and you go for it, then you can really live out a life that has more joy and where you see and recognize the joy and you experience the joy and you can feel grateful for the joy. Of course, I can't go <laughs> an episode like this without also bringing in Henry Nowen's quote of joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And I think that is joy in a nutshell and the dance that I have experienced. And of course it is the quote that kind of is the pinnacle or the cornerstone for this, this whole podcast. (laughs) Uh, well, so there you go. Those are my thoughts on why joy is hard and what you can do about it. And I hope you love this episode as much as I loved kind of playing with it in my head for over a week. If you want to find the, jo- the joy notes, <laughs> the show notes for this one, you can go to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash vulnerable. And I will list out those books that I talked about and the other books episodes that I referenced and if you want to find out more about how to start a podcast of your very own you can click on the start a podcast button while you're there at the site and you will get my lovely cheat sheet about all the hardware and software that I use each week to create this show And you'll also be on the list to be notified when I open registration for Jumpstart Your Podcast, which is, of course, my eight-week podcasting boot camp. And I would love to see you there because it is so much fun. Next week on the show, I'm super excited to have author Skip Pritchard joining me. He recently wrote The Book of Mistakes, and I cannot wait to share that interview with you. I hope you will come on back. And... Until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.